TII Item 216, March 16th, 2012. The new iPad launch day. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullet! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Ricardo for sending in the music you hear in the background. Ricardo wrote, Hi, Rob. I made a song with GarageBand on my iPhone, and I want you to hear it. Regards, Ricardo. Thanks, Ricardo, for the music. And folks, I'll try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Tim for sending in the artwork for today's show. Tim wrote, Hi, Rob. Just fooling around with Photoshop Touch. Hope you like. Very respectfully, Tim... G. Well, Tim, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Tim's artwork in the TII app in the extras for episode 216, or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and I'll try to get it up on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you used to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, tablet PC fever receding, notebooks regaining interest. Unquote. J.T. Wang, chairman of Acer, 24th of August, 2011. Head, sand, deep, buried. Saiyan, just. This week, we have promo codes for the app. Whose toes are those? Let's play the comments from the dev. This is Blake from Egg Roll Games. We make apps without confusing buttons or menus for small children. In Whose Toes Are Those, our latest app, players identify funny characters by their toes. It teaches animal and people identification in a 70s game show setting with fun characters and a wacky host. It's available now on the App Store for $1.99, and we hope you and your little ones like it. Thanks, Blake, for sending those promo codes in and for the review for your app, Whose Toes Are Those? Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put toes in the subject line. I'll be giving those away sometime next week. As always, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app, indicating you are the dev. Hey, Rob. This is Jonathan calling from Evergreen, Colorado. I wanted to check in with you regarding the iOS 5.1 upgrade. I am a happy camper. I looked in the list of upgrade bug fixes this morning, and the last one said battery uh, battery enhancement or something about you know improving battery performance, and that was all I needed to see to do the upgrade without waiting for your blessing. Jonathan, 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 you disrespect me. You call into my house here and you tell me that you are not needing my blessing, and then you go and do the update. I wonder what your next voicemail's message is going to be to me. 
Hey Rob, it's Jonathan Miller calling with a follow-up to my glowing review of the increased performance of my battery life on my iPhone 4S after the 5.1 upgrade. Um, you can scrap that original message. My battery life still sucks. Talk to you later. Bye. As I always say, and say, and say, and say, hold off on updating to a new version of iOS when it first comes out. While I've had some emails, voicemail messages saying all went great, I've had others regretting the upgrade because they were using Flash Launch and the other home screen shortcuts. Here are some of the emails that came in. Hi Rob, I thought I'd let listeners know the Flash Launch app is no longer working for me on my iPad since upgrading to iOS 5.1. Anyone using the app may want to think twice before updating. Not a big deal to me on my iPad, but it's another reason why I won't be updating my iPhone now for a while. Nice to have a bit quicker access to Bluetooth airplane mode and iCloud settings. Regards, Tim in Wisconsin. Hi, Rob. I've been making extensive use of the springboard shortcuts from Jeff Broderick over at brkrck.me slash settings. In iOS 5.1, Apple has disabled its URL scheme, allowing those shortcuts to function. Had I known, I probably would have held off on updating. But, oh well. Cheers, Paul in Mill Valley. And, hi Rob. I updated to iOS 5.1 last night, and today I'm noticing that the setting shortcut I installed as a profile from the brdrck.me slash settings are no longer functioning. I think iOS 5.1 undid some of Jeff Broderick's hard work. Regards, Matt. And then finally, hi Rob. Just updated to 5.1 now. Flash launch doesn't work. That makes me sad. Is there any other app in the App Store that does what Flash launch did? Regards, Ben G. Well, gentlemen, sorry to hear that you upgraded and now you've lost the Flash launch. Ben, to your question, nope. There isn't anything else like that. Uh, Apple disabled that feature in 5.1. So if you are using Flash Launch and you did listen to me and you didn't upgrade until this episode to hear there were some issues, you are now thanking yourself for listening to me last week. If you did upgrade and you lost Flash Launch, you're kicking yourself for not waiting. Hello, Rob. This is a tip on how to use the camera from the lock screen on OS 5.1. Previously, you would double-click on the home button to get the camera icon to show up on the lock screen and then click on it to use the camera. They've changed it in iOS 5.1, whereas it shows the camera icon all the time on the lock screen, but when you click on it, it hops up for a second and disappears. What you're supposed to do is click and then sweep up to open up the camera app to use it, and then you can sweep down to go back to the lock screen. I hope this helps some of the listeners. Thomas, thanks for that feedback. So it comes down to this. If you do not use the home screen shortcuts, you do not jailbreak nor plan to jailbreak, and you don't unlock nor plan to unlock, then iOS 5.1 looks to be a good update to do. Some of the new features that iOS 5.1 brings other than breaking, jailbreaking, and home screen shortcuts are one, support for Siri in Japan, Two, the ability to delete photos from PhotoStream. Three, the camera button directly on the lock screen. No more need to double tap to get it, but you do need to swipe up as previously mentioned. Four, redesigned camera app for iPad. Five, face detection feature in camera app now highlights all found faces. 
Six, improved podcast controls for iPad, including playback speed control. Seven, and as mentioned at the end of episode 215, for AT&T, a 4G indicator when you connect to their HSPA Plus network. Had a few people email and call in about this. Again, listen to the end of episode 215 for more info on this. And finally, number eight, improved battery life for some users. Yes, iOS 5.0.1 also promised the same thing, but dagnammit, Apple means it this time, for some of you at least. Okay, actually, there is one other new feature. I guess you can call it uh, a new feature with iOS 5.1. Now, over a cellular network, you can download apps that are up to 50 megabyte in size. This can be done over 3G or 4G networks in iOS 5.1. I would assume the 4G reference is per the iPad and not the FAW 4G on AT&T puts up as their icon on the iPhone. But either way, in the past, the limit was 20 megabytes. Obviously, the reason for allowing this upgrade to 50 megabytes is to accommodate the larger app file sizes that are going to be needed to incorporate in the new iPad Retina Display-ready graphics. Hey, Rob. It's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. I... Notice that you mentioned that there's a 5-gigabyte cap for AT&T for their 4G plans. You were talking about that that's the cap for when they start uh, throttling you. But now with iOS 5.1, my AT&T says 4G. Does that mean if I'm on an unlimited plan, now my cap is 5 gigabytes instead of 3? Just curious. Also, with regards to your tale of woe about March 16th, yeah, I don't know that uh, Apple gives a damn about the NPAA. Uh, in any case, uh, the, someone who works from home, shouldn't be a big deal to get that iPad delivered, right? Anyway, uh, I thought the marketing blunder was they could have released it on March 17th and done something with St. Patrick's Day, like at the Irish and all that. But in any case, I'm uh, really happy to see the new iPad. Uh, definitely going to go get one as soon as it's available. Talk to you later. Hi, Kevin. Obviously, you were very tongue-in-cheek there about AT&T and 4G, meaning now, hey, if it has a 4G icon, I can go up to 5 gig. Because really what it is, it's that 5 gig limit is for LTE 4G, not HSPA plus 4G. So the answer is no. If you have an iPhone 4S, even if you have a 4G uh, logo showing up there, you're still on that 3 gigabyte limit. It's uh, the LTE that you get the 5 gig availability. Now, per the iPhone launching on the March Madness Friday, well, what that's done to me is it's put this whole production schedule off. It's like 1.50 in the morning. I'm only 10 minutes into the episode here. Once I get done recording this, it's going to be about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to obviously put the show up, make it live, make sure everything's good, grab my stuff, and head over to the Apple store. So I'm going to get there a little later than I would have liked to. So it's going to put me behind in, in, in line. So everything's just... I don't know. didn't have to be this weekend. I got behind because this evening I had to watch the basketball games. UConn, which is one of the other schools I went to, sadly they lost. I had to watch that game. Yeah, my, my brackets aren't doing too well. Anyway, why this weekend? There's just so much news going on with the March Madness. I still think it was a bad weekend. They should have done it last weekend. Hey, Rob. John here from uh, Philadelphia, PA. Love the show. Just updated to 5.1 on uh, the uh, iPhone 4S and the uh, 4. And notice that the enable 3G button, or unenable as well, showed up on the 4, but not on the 4S. Uh, Interesting. Maybe you can check it out. Uh, Again, enjoy the show. 
Have a great day. John, if I remember right, that has to do with it being the world chip. So if you actually have the Verizon iPhone 4 or 4S or really any 4S or the Verizon iPhone 4, um, that CDMA GSM chipset that's in there, it has something to do with that, which is why there's not the enable, disable uh, 4G or 3G data option there. Uh, again, that's at least what I remember on that. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Here's some more feedback on iOS 5.1 that I got via email. Hey, Rob, just wanted to inform all that my battery life has improved some with the release of iOS 5.1. I don't know what percent, but it is sure improved. I have a now almost two and a half year old 3GS. Thanks, Sam. Hey, Rob, today I updated my iPhone 4S to iOS 5.1. Everything worked perfect, but where is the big difference to the former version? Kindest regards, Rolf from Ludensburg, Germany. And I know I'm probably mispronounced that, Rolf, sorry. No, not really much of a big update for 5.1 other than what I mentioned earlier. So it's a pretty minimal update, by the way, folks. Again, which is why if you're a jailbreaker, not worth updating to 5.1. Stay at 5.0.1, 5.0.1. Another email. Hi, Rob. I'm not sure if it's just my imagination, but the OS 5.1 update appears to have improved the battery performance of my iPhone 4. Take care, Michael in Brockville, Ontario, Canada. Back in the email bag. Hi, Rob. I updated to iOS 5.1 Wednesday evening when it came out on an iPhone 4, iPhone 4S, and iPad 1, and have had no issues. Tip, don't download from iTunes and sync. It will download the entire update, 700 meg, over 700 megabytes which took me several hours for on my iPhone 4. Instead, on your iOS device, go to Settings, General, Software Update, and update it from there. It will only download what it needs, and it'll be much quicker. I did my wife's iPhone 4S and our iPad that way, and they only took about 10 minutes. Regards, Lou V. Hi, Rob. Just updated my iPad 2 over Wi-Fi to iOS 5.1. It took about 3 to 5 minutes and went smooth as silk. I did take your advice to do the backup and close all open apps. I did not do any resets. After the update, all is well. Regards, Pat and Austin. Thanks all that sent in feedback for iOS 5.1. I have one last question here about iOS 5.1 that came in via email. Hi, Rob. When you swipe the photo button up, it opens the camera, the iPhone camera. Unfortunately, I use Pro Camera and not the default Apple camera. Is there a way to make Pro Camera or any other camera app the default camera? Regards, Jim C. from Northfield, New Jersey. And Jim, that answer would be no. Apple only added that feature for their stock camera app. You cannot swap out their camera app with a third-party app. That would be like cheating on them, in their mind, I guess. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. You're probably already aware of this, but I just checked in settings on my Apple TV, and there was an update for it. it took about 20 minutes, and it gave the same UI that they have been seeing for the new Apple TV. In fact, I had thought that the new look was only for the new model, third-generation Apple TV. I like the new look. Regards, Ray N. Hi, Ray. Thanks for the email. Yes, you are most correct. Those of us with the Apple TV second generation, which is the first version of the small black hockey puck type Apple TV, well, we were also treated to an update of the OS to be the same as the new third-generation Apple TV which some of you, like Paul in Omaha, received a day early on the 15th. Congrats, Paul. 
So really the big difference for the third gen versus the second gen Apple TV is the third gen is 1080p while the second gen is 720p. And while the third gen also has the A5 processor versus the A4 for the second gen. But both now share the same updated UI, which I'm liking and looks like it is ready for third party apps at any time now. Just saying. Come on, Apple. Give us that feature. Come on, come on, come on. Actually, since both Apple TVs, the second and third gen, are running the same UI, I really don't see a reason for me, at least, to get the new Apple TV. I'm happy with the 720p performance right now. Thanks to Mark H. for the heads up on this next one, which is the heads up that Apple has released the Mac app, Apple Configurator. What does this have to do with iOS, you ask? Well, to quote Apple, quote, Apple Configurator makes it easy for anyone to mass configure and deploy iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch in a school, business, or institution. Three simple workflows let you prepare new iOS devices for immediate distribution, supervise devices that need to maintain a standard configuration, and assign devices to users. Quickly update 30 devices at a time to the latest version of iOS, configure settings, and install apps and data for your students, employees, or patrons. Apple Configurator can be used by large organizations and businesses to set up new devices, install enterprise apps, and enroll each device with a mobile device management solution for remote management by an IT administrator. It is perfect for the classroom or student lab where devices need to be quickly refreshed and kept up to date with correct settings, approved policies, apps, and data. Apple Configurator can also be used to personalize devices with data and documents for specific users, unquote. The app requires a Mac, of course, and it must be running OS 10, 10.7.2 or later. And the app is free in the Mac App Store. Now you may say you would never need the Apple Configurator tool. But what if you have a Mac and an iPad first generation and you really wanted to install iPhoto or iMovie? Apple says you can't. But if you have the Configurator app on your Mac, guess what? you actually can install iPhoto or iMovie on your first-gen iPad. Essentially, what you do is purchase and download iPhoto or iMovie on your Mac via iTunes, then connect your iPad to the Mac and sync. Launch the Configurator app on your Mac, go to the Applications tab on the left and click Add, and then find the new iPhoto app, which is in Music, iTunes, Mobile Applications. Then select your iPad and add it. Of course, the next time you go to sync your iPad to iTunes or, and, and subsequent times after that, you will get an error message saying your iPad isn't authorized to use iPhoto or iMovie app. Hit the cancel button at that point. Don't click, don't authorize. It will remove the app and you have to repeat the whole process over again. But hey, for those of you with the first gen iPad that wanted to get iPhoto or iMovie, now there's a way to do it, even though Apple says the, those, device, those device or the iPad isn't compatible with those apps. I want to take a minute now to thank today's sponsor, and that is Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations and transfers. As I mentioned before, one of the nice features of Hover is the ability to quickly and easily create multiple redirects from a single URL for no additional cost. There is no additional cost to hide the personal info on your domain. There is no annoying trick you into multiple upsell items you did not want when you use Hover. It is just a good, customer-friendly interface that is a joy to work with. So whether you are looking to redirect your Facebook page or your Pinterest page or your Tumblr pages, 
Hover is there for you to make it easy to tell people where to find you on the web. Remember, controlling your namespace is the best thing you can do on the web. As an example, you could register yourname.com and then set up yourname.com slash Facebook to go to your Facebook page and yourname.com slash Pinterest to go to your Pinterest page and so on. I am a customer and a very, very happy one of Hover, and I highly recommend them for your domain name needs. Again, to save 10% on your registrations and transfers, go to tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com. Isn't it time you like registering domain names again? Thanks, Hover, for supporting the show. Hi, Rob. This is Jesse calling from L.A., A listener called in episode 215 asking for an app where he could automatically find a song based on the lyrics and the melody. There's an app called Soundhound that I use a lot where you touch the little the screen button and you can sing the song and it will usually find it based off of the lyrics and the melody. Um, I don't use it a lot for actually singing a song into it, although it says you can. But I use it mainly around town. When I hear a song I like, I touch the button and it will find the song for me most of the time. I can bookmark it or buy it right there um, for my tunes. Anyway, I think it's cool. Worth checking out. Jesse, thanks for that answer. And for all the others that emailed and sent in voicemails with the same recommendation, we're talking dozens of replies on that one, all pointing to SoundHound as the recommended app. Thanks to those that sent in how many apps they used in a week. Pat used 38, Kevin 33, Robin 43, Gladys 46, James opened 35, Glenn used 64 apps, which puts us at an average of 41.4 opened apps for the 37 people that have sent in numbers so far. I had quite a few emails uh, in saying that they pre-ordered the iPad with the 16th as a delivery date confirmation. Uh, These are people that ordered right away. This time around, it does not look like any listeners of the show received it early, unlike last time. At least uh, no one that has sent in confirmation of their order being placed has indicated that they've received it yet, that is. So, looks like Apple did a better job this time around on getting their delivery partners to, you know, deliver on the day they were supposed to, or at least not to deliver it early. I'm sure I will hear from someone that did not get it on the day they were promised, so... Hopefully, if you were due to get it today on the 16th, you get it today on the 16th. Uh, If you don't, let me know. And if you do, let me know. And let me know what you think of the iPad. As of the eve of the launch of the iPad, late on the 15th, early on the 16th, shipping dates in the U.S. were at two to three weeks for all models of the iPad. That's the black and the white ones, the Wi-Fi only, and the 4G ones. So if you want an iPad this weekend and you did not order it when it first was available for pre-order, you will need to go and wait online today. And those of you with the TII app and push notifications turned on would have known this on Tuesday when I sent the push about the new iPad going on sale at 8 a.m. local time at Apple's stores. But it looks like Apple made the announcement official on Wednesday. Thanks to the folks at the Leewood Apple Store for giving me the heads up on this one a day early. So again, if you want the new iPad anytime soon and have not pre-ordered, Time to get online now. One of the questions you're going to ask yourself is, which storage level should you get for the new iPad? Well, some of you have already ordered your iPad. Others, like myself, like to wait in line. For those of us that have not ordered our iPad yet, one question to answer is, you know, what storage level should you get? And what do you need? 
if you have the iPad 1 or iPad 2 already, go into iTunes and see how much uh, you are using on it, and then add 16 gig. This, due to the new apps and the higher res images for apps and the higher res images you're going to be putting in there for photos, you need to increase by at least 16 gig. In other words, don't get the 16 gig version. Either look at the 32 gig version if you currently have less than 16 gig on your current iPad, or the 64 gig version if you're currently using more than that. I'm going with the 64 gig version because one of the things my wife will be doing with this is managing photos on it, all the photos. And we have lots of photos. But we also have a ton of apps. I currently have about 9.7 gig of apps on my iPad 1. When those apps start updating with the high res images for the new iPad, that number will swell quickly. So again, look at either 32 gig or 64 gig based on your current usage plus 16 gig. That's my recommendation. A list of all the main reviews for the new iPad is over at GigaOM, along with word counts for each review. Of the 10 reviews listed, they range from 787 words to 4,968 words. So if you are on the fence about the new iPad, here are some reviews that might push you one way or the other. Please always keep in mind that those in the list of the reviews are ones Apple handpicked and gave the new iPad to to test out early. These are not people like you and me that you know, actually had to buy the iPad. That said, I will give my own opinion on the new iPad on the next episode, along with those of reviews from you that you send in. Please keep your reviews pithy. That means short. Try to highlight a couple of key points on why you love or regret your new purchase. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or email in the reviews to todayinios at gmail.com. Per all the reviews that were done, the best line so far in any of the reviews, and by best line I mean the best line to make fun of, comes from David Pogue where he writes, and I kid you not, quote, its technical improvements keep it at the forefront of desirability, just ahead of the snapping jaws of Android competition, unquote. Um, wow. Pogue put Android, competition, and iPad all in the same sentence. Yeah, not buying it either. Anyway, thanks, Tim, for the heads up on that beauty of a quote from Pogue. To me, the best reviews in the world are the ones you guys sent in, so please, send them in. Thanks, John M., for the heads up on this next one, which is a more technical review of the new iPad without, you know, them actually having it. It is from Enantech, and they compare the specs of the new iPad to the iPad 2, and I guess for gits and shiggles, they also go through a comparison with the Asus Transformer tablet. Take the review for what it is, a pre-release review. There will be better ones coming soon with devices doing all sorts of benchmark tests, which at the end of the day really mean basically jack, because what counts is how does it look and feel and work in the real world, not how many milliseconds it took to do some arbitrary benchmark test. But hey, if you're sitting there in line and you got the TII app out and you're listening to the show and you go into the extra section for this episode, then you can go ahead and follow along with all the links to the show notes and you can be reading these reviews and making sure that the money you're about to spend is money you want to spend and it's well worth it. The one thing I've already heard the most feedback negatively on the new iPad is the lack of Siri. There could be many reasons for this, or it simply could be a marketing decision. But my gut theory on this is that Siri is still in beta, and Apple wanted to limit it to just the iPhone until it's out of beta. 
and that at some time in the future, there will be a software update for the new iPad to allow for Siri. I feel this way because the new iPad does have the dictation feature, which is a key component of Siri voice recognition. So that part seems to be there. Again, I don't know this for sure, obviously, but really, if you want a new iPad between the iPad 2 and the third generation, spend the extra money, get the new iPad with 32 gig or, or versus, say, the 16 gig at $399. So go $200 more, get the 32 gig new iPad. Here's some pre-launch feedback from a listener. Hi, Rob. I find it hard to understand that Apple will ship a LTE device into Europe that will not work with the 4G networks here. Are they doing the new version later with chipsets that work here, or are they simply ignoring this market? The new Retina display sounds great, but I hear nothing about if it will actually work outside in the sun. Thanks for a great show. Best regards, Johan in Sweden. Hi, Johan. Thanks for the email. Yes, it does appear that the new iPad, when it comes to 4G, is limited to using the 700 meg and 2100 megahertz spectrums, while those in Europe offering LTE are doing so in the 818 and 2600 meg spectrums. So yes, it does appear Apple's iPad is not compatible with the European LTE networks. Or as Apple would say, the European LTE networks are not compatible with the new iPad. The new iPad should work with the HSPA Plus standard in Europe, which theoretically is close to the LTE theoretical speed. Well, again, theoretically it's close. Reality, LTE is obviously faster. Uh, per your uh, question about how it's going to look outside in the sun, basically the same or pretty close to how it's going to look now. If it was going to be anything better in the sun than the way it looks now, Apple would have mentioned that in the keynote since that was one of the digs that Amazon took at, at the iPad in some of their commercials. So since there's been nothing mentioned by Apple Marketing that this looks better in bright sunlight, we can pretty much assume it's close to or similar to the current iPad and iPad 2 uh, when it's in direct sunlight. All right, for those of you looking to get the new iPad, the 4G version, you may be wondering about the data plan options. First, in the U.S., your choices are just AT&T and Verizon, no Sprint version yet. I should also clarify a post I put up initially that AT&T sent emails to some listeners saying they would not grandfather their unlimited data plans because it was now going to be a 4G device. They then changed direction on that and said they would be grandfathering those original unlimited data plans for iPad owners. So if you are one, you can get the new iPad 4G version and stay with AT&T and be grandfathered. Of course, once you hit the 5 gig of 4G data use, you'll be throttled. For most of the rest of you, you'll be on a tiered offering. For AT&T, the options are 250 megabytes for $14.99, 3 gig for $30, and 5 gig for $50. With a 250 meg plan, there is an additional $15 for each 250 meg block you go over. On the bigger plans, it is a $10 overage for each gigabyte of additional data. Or put another way, don't get the $14.99 plan, start at the 3 gig plan. And for Verizon, the options are 1 gig for 20, 2 gigs for 30, 5 gigs for 50, and 10 gigs for 80. Their overage fees are an additional $10 for each 1 gig over. And that's for Verizon again.
if you are someone in the U.S. and you're not sure which way to go and you don't have an iPad before and you don't have an iPhone and you don't have a data planner, you really don't even care about that. You're starting from scratch on the iPad and you want to know which way to go, which LTE networks better. Verizon is pretty much universally considered the better LTE network between AT&T and Verizon. One of the more interesting pre-release reviews has to do with the battery of the new iPad. According to a post on ZDNet, the new battery in the new iPad has a 70% greater charge capacity than that of the iPad 2, despite only being slightly larger and heavier. Some are claiming that Apple's battery suppliers made some drastic breakthrough in charge density with the battery, and this could be coming in the iPhone 2012. Obviously, until iFixit is able to break one open and really look at this, you should take any of these reports with a grain of salt. Okay. And skepticism is a good thing to have, as iFixit just released their teardown. That was fast, wasn't it? And guess what? Apple has actually increased the size of each cell by about 70%. So no, there was not a magical breakthrough in battery tech, just Apple packaging or packing more battery in. The iPad 2 battery was a 25-watt-hour battery. The new one is a 42-watt-hours. Here are some other tidbits from the iFixit teardown. There was a sticker that stated that the iPad 4G LTE was not compatible with Australian 4G LTE. They went to Australia to get one. That's why that had that sticker. And that it would only operate up to 3G speeds in Australia. Sorry, folks, in Australia. Sorry, Tash. Uh, same as with Europe, per internal RAM, they found it to have one gig of internal DRAM which was the last question mark on the rumor front and on my rumor bingo card. Uh, there is a link to the full teardown in the show notes titled iPad 3 Teardown, I Fix It, which you can find at todayinios.com for episode 216. That really was all the big news from the teardown outside of whose chips were used, but the big news really was a squashing of the rumor that Apple somehow increased battery charge density. It's actually the same battery charge density is the iPad 2. It's just that there is much more battery inside the new iPad. All right, I want to do a quick little, what did the new iPad specs tell us about the next iPhone? That would be the iPhone 2012. Well, first, the name of the next iPhone will likely, very, very likely, just be the new iPhone. Next, it will have one gig of RAM. It will be an LTE iPhone. So yes, my prediction back in 2008, that the first LTE iPhone would not happen until 2012 will come true and on the mark. Go back and listen to the older episodes of TII and you'll get the verification on that. It also is likely going to be slightly larger device, probably with a 4-inch screen up from the current 3.5-inch screen, but it will be identical in resolution, staying at 960 by 640, which means a reduction in pixel resolution the key reason for the increased size in the screen is to make room, make a larger device to have extra room for the battery that will be needed for the LTE chips. Since we have now seen, there has been no breakthrough of increase in charge density on the batteries. And we will get into more predictions in the future as we learn more about the new iPad. But for now, I think some of the specs for the next iPhone are a bit clearer. Hey Rob, it's Todd here in Sydney, Australia again. Uh, I meant to ask for quite some time now, what does it mean when you say to drink the Kool-Aid? Uh, I believe Kool-Aid's some type of 
soda or a soft drink or some type of beverage. Uh, how does that relate to Apple products and, and the iPhone in particular? Uh, we don't have Kool-Aid here in Australia, so we, we don't know what you guys are talking about. So if you could let us know, I, I'd appreciate it very much. Thanks again, Rob, for all you do. I love the podcast and keep up the good work. Todd, thanks for the question. The phrase kind of, sort of, okay, really has a dark background. It is a reference to the Jim Jones cult at Jamestown where many people drank a Kool-Aid-like drink laced with cyanide. The term has come to in the U.S. mean blind, unquestioning faith in something. Not really in a good light, obviously. I am an Apple fanboy. I admit that. I mean, come on, I was doing this podcast before the iPhone was even launched back in April 2007. But that does not mean I will not and have not questioned Apple on what it is doing. Just like I'm a big Star Wars geek where I have dressed up in Jedi outfits to go to movies. Does not mean I liked episode one or really see any value in that movie at all. Or that I like George screwing around with who shot first. It was Han, by the way. So you can be a big time fanboy and still question the object of your obsession, so to speak. But Todd, thanks for asking about the Hey Kool-Aid, as I am sure others outside the U.S. and Canada don't get that reference either. I put that in there, though, to let people know that I have drunk the Kool-Aid when it comes to Apple and to keep that in mind when listening. Hi, Rob. This is Eric Boyles. I'm the developer of a brand new app called App Alerts. It's a free app that notifies you when new apps are released matching your interests. So let's say you're interested in photography or cooking or real estate. Just add those keywords and it scans every new app release looking for a match. When it finds one, it sends you a push notification or an email, if you prefer, with a link to the app. It's available now in the App Store and it's spelled App Alerts, one word, A-P-P-A-L-E-R-T-S. Anyway, I love your show and I hope you enjoy your new iPad. Have a good one. Bye. Hi, Rob. This is Ton. I just have a note and something for the viewer, um, your listener, I'm sorry, in regards to jailbreaking. And um, I've used your website, todayinios.com, for guidance to jailbreak. And I noticed that um, on the Mac side, since I have a Mac, I was not able to jailbreak the iPhone 4S on the Snow Leopard OS X. So um, I tried that with a few of the iPhone 4s's and it doesn't work. And I actually tried updating to Lion, and after that, it started to work. So I just like to give you that note to all you listeners, and um, thank you very much for all you've given us. And um, take care. Bye bye. Thanks for the feedback, Ton. Back into the email bag. Hey Rob, yesterday I jailbroke my iPhone 4 primarily so I could get Sarah slash Siri. So far, I'm not impressed. At first, everything I said was answered with, I didn't understand that even when reading verbatim from the list of suggested questions inside the app. Today is day two, and she finally said my name, and so I asked her what the weather is like today. Her response was, and I quote, the usual, what is the weather like today in hell, unquote. Wow. I couldn't believe that response. I asked her again for the weather, and this time she pulled up a screen that showed the temp, humidity, and partial cloudy. Guess I will give it a few days before deleting her. 
seems like today is better than yesterday, so hopefully over time Sarah will be as helpful to me as Siri is to my wife on her iPhone 4S. Regards, Cedric in Durham, North Carolina. Cedric, all I can say is it sounds like you installed Sybil and not Sarah. I previously mentioned the Kickstarter project Ultima Smartphone Car Mount. I think it was on the last episode, actually, and said it did not look like they were going to hit their goal. Well, by the time the episode went live, they had actually pulled their Kickstarter project because, well, they came to the same conclusion. And now it's back, this time with a lower goal and, more importantly, a lower price. This time the price is $55 per unit. That is for the U.S. and Australian backers. For anyone in another country, the price is $65. And if you wanted the limited edition green version, it will be $75. This is a really neat looking working car mount. And again, I like that it works with pretty much any iPhone case or any iPhone for that matter. Check out the link in the show notes for episode 216 for Ultima car mount for iPhone. And thanks to Kirk for the heads up on this one getting back into the Kickstarter rotation. Hey, Rob, it's Laura in Nashville. I was calling to talk about the keynote and say that, you know, Tim Cook went to the same college that I went to, which is Auburn University, War Eagle. And I'm really proud of that. But dang, he was kind of boring during the, the presentation. No Steve Jobs, that's for sure. And I'm hoping that he will watch that and see where he went wrong and try to step it up the next time. I just wonder what everybody else thought about him on stage besides the announcement. So, uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say, I can't remember if I called in about this, but I recently resubscribed to Netflix. Um, I hadn't had it in like a year and a half, maybe. And their selection has gotten a lot better. And streaming it to the iPad for $8 a month is worth every penny. I've really enjoyed it. Been able to watch whatever I want to without commercials instantly. And on the iPad, you know, I'll, I'll only do it on the Wi-Fi. I'm too scared to, to do it over 3G if it would even work. I don't know. But um, anyway, I just wanted to put that out there in case anybody else had taken a little hiatus from Netflix like I did. So that's it. Thanks. Bye. Laura, thanks for the feedback. And yes, Netflix is, I have stuck with it and I love Netflix. It's how I lost weight. I mean, being able to work out and watch Netflix movies, either the DVDs or the streaming. And by the way, Doctor Who, uh, season six, I know it's hard to say six, but season six, Doctor Who is now available for streaming on Netflix. You don't have to, not just the DVD anymore. So that's cool. I'll probably watch an episode or two when I'm waiting online for my iPad. But yes, love Netflix. One of the best apps, it's one that, at least my family, we use it all the time on the iPad, the iPhone, on Apple TV. And, you know, you have to give Tim a little bit of leeway here. I mean, when Steve Young took over for Joe Montana, they said he's no Joe Montana, but Steve Young was a pretty darn good quarterback nonetheless. And Laura, I also want to say congrats to you for making it into the Get on the Shelf contest, where, if Laura wins, she will get her eyelatch iPad case on the shelf at Walmart. You can help Laura out by voting. Look for the link titled Get on the Shelf in the show notes for episode 216. Your vote will really help out Laura, who, as many of you know, is a longtime listener and contributor to this show. She is TII family. So please help her out. Voting is free. Good luck, Laura. And again, folks, look for the link in the show note called, titled Get on the Shelf. FYI, for those that did upgrade to iOS 5.1 and have been asking about a jailbreak, I will not recommend one until it's an untethered jailbreak, but if you are a developer and need a tethered jailbreak for, you know, dev work, there is one available for iOS devices released prior to the iPad 2. Look for the link in the show note titled Dev Team Blog Tethered Jailbreak. 
Again, I definitely do not recommend this for anyone other than devs that need to do the dev work. Tethered jailbreaks are bad news for regular users. When an untethered jailbreak is available, I will do a tutorial, send out a push, and mention it on the show. Until then, just stay at iOS 5.0.1 if you want a jailbreak. FYI, for those of you getting the new iPad, on the 16th of March, there is a special offer from SquareTrade. So if you go to squaretrade.com forward slash TII, it'll take you over to a special offer for the 16th where you can get an iPad warranty for the new iPad for $79 for two years. So much better than the $99 that Apple's offering up. So again, go to squaretrade.com forward slash TII and you can get a $79 two-year warranty for breakage, water drop, you name it. Take a look at that. Um, Square Trade just put out a report that said basically one in three iPads gets broken or damaged in, after within a two-year period of them being purchased. So here's a chance for you to get some insurance and get it at a greatly reduced price right now. $79, two years, squaretrade.com forward slash TII. Into the email bag we go. Hey, Rob. Wondering if you or your listeners have any recommendations on how to find out when WWDC 2012 is announced. I'm planning to go this year, but I read that last year's conference sold out in about 12 hours on March 28th. I did subscribe for an SMS alert at wwdcalerts.com, thinking this might be something you would send out a push notification about. Any other ideas? Thanks for all you do for the iOS community. Regards, Dell. Well, Dell, I'm going to put this out there to fellow listeners and developers. When you hear about WWDC being available for purchase, getting tickets, please email me right away. Flag them as urgent. Send them in, and I will send out a push right away to let other people know. I'm, I'm sure once you find out, you'll first order your tickets. But right after you order your tickets, send me an email and let me know so I can send out a push for the other developers so they know so that they can get in there. Hi, Rob. I have an iPhone 4 that I would like to use for T-Mobile. The version is 5.1 and wanted to know if it can be unlocked. I was also wondering if the iPhone needs to be jailbroken to be unlocked. Thank you. Regards, Tony. Tony, let me, how do I phrase this? Oh, why did you update to iOS 5.1 if you have an iPhone 4? No, you're not going to be able to get it jailbroken right now. And, and even if you... Uh, could jailbreak it right now. There's no unlock available for iOS, uh, excuse me, iPhone 4s or 4Ss that are running iOS 5.x for that matter. Because I'm sitting here with an iPhone 4 running iOS 5.0.1, and I'm waiting for that to be available. That has an 04.11.08 uh, firmware in there, and there's no jail or unlock available for that yet. So yes, you need to unlock. Uh, no, you shouldn't have upgraded to iOS 5.1 and from this point on, don't update your iPhone again until you unlock it, and then don't update it once you do unlock it. So you're going to have to wait, and you're going to have to be patient. It's probably going to be a while before you're going to get your iPhone 4 unlocked so you can put it on T-Mobile. One of the key reasons to jailbreak for many people is so that they can tether. I mean, that's one of the main reasons I do it. And well, now that might be one reason you don't need to jailbreak anymore. Remember that iTether app that was released back late last year in the iTunes App Store that was alive for all of about 20 hours? Yeah, those guys are back and back with an HTML5 app to allow you to tether. It's not free, there is, but there is a current special going on for $15 for one year. Please note, if you already have the iTether app, 
Do not update it, as they said it will continue to work. But if you want to use the new HTML5 version, you need to pay again. So you would uh, be a new customer in their eyes, not their fault. That is an iTunes thing. Again, my advice, if you've got the iTether app already natively installed, do as they suggest and keep it uh, using it as is and don't try to update it. If you are like most people, you did not get the original iTether app. And if you don't jailbreak, then this is one of the few options you have to tether. I mean, other than paying for it via the carrier illegally, and which is really not an option if you have the unlimited uh, with AT&T since they force you out of the unlimited plan. So look for all the uh, links about this in the show notes to learn more. There's like three different links on the tethering apps. Just look in the show notes, episode 216 over today in iOS. And then here's some feedback from one of the listeners that's already taken the plunge. Hi, Rob. Tether is now a web app. It is now available at tether.com slash iPhone. That's tether.com slash iPhone. A subscription is $15 for the first year, $30 every year thereafter. 30-day money-back guarantee. You install a client on your laptop and set up your account. Ad hoc network can be open or password protected. iOS devices use a HTML5 web page or web app, so no app store approval required. I signed up and it seems to be working pretty good so far. Regards, Lou V. Thanks, Lou, for the feedback. Again, tether.com slash iPhone if you want to go over and get tethering available for your iPhone. In the last episode, I mentioned Matt Speccarelli was putting up a website. He had a website. You want to look in the uh, links for episode 215 for Matt Speccarelli's website. And it has links to the documents on how you can fight AT&T. Well, if you haven't gone there and downloaded those documents, I highly recommend you do. seems AT&T wants to settle with Matt for an additional amount. So there's a good chance those documents may disappear off his website sometime soon. So don't take a chance if you're at all thinking about suing or uh, going after AT&T legally, taking the small claims court. You need to go now to Matt's site, look for the links in episode 215, Matt's Beccarelli site, and uh, download those documents now. Hello, this is Paul from Tulsa, Oklahoma, here to comment about the new Tether.com application that allows individuals to use your current data plan to have free tethering, if you will. Tether.com is the uh, website that originally offered us the application via the App Store. It was killed rather quickly within the first, I believe, 21 hours of its launch. You want more information? www.tether.com. Great website. I paid for my so-called free access of the uh, tethering application. Installed the application on the PC, and it was fantastic was able to get everything to work except for connecting to the proxy server. So we'll have to see what happens there. Big question is what will AT&T do when they figure out people have found this neat way to connect without paying that extra fee. Great job, Rob, as always, on the podcast. Have a great day. Hey, Rob, this is Dan O'Day. I just emailed you one of the 8 billion hopeful requests you received for a review of what I'm sure is always touted as the greatest iPhone app ever. I'm not positive mine's the greatest ever. But because my app, which is called Photo Voice, creates a small movie file for the user, uh, I attached a Photo Voice that I created specifically for you. 
Now, I don't know how likely you are to open email attachments from strangers, so I thought if I called and left you this message, it might decrease the likelihood of your calling the bomb squad when you see my email. So uh, the name is Dan O'Day, and the app is Photo Voice, and maybe you'll see it. And if you do, I, I hope you find it mildly enjoyable. Thanks very much. Hey, Rob, here's what my Photo Voice app does. Let's say I wanted to send you a photo of the cherry blossom tree outside my small hotel in Japan. I'd take a picture, add my voice, and here we are. I want to thank everyone who sent in feedback. I know it was a lot I didn't get to on this episode, but I need to go get online so I can get my iPad, the new iPad for my wife. And so, yes, this is something I must do. So I need to wrap up the show here. I do want to thank Hover again for sponsoring the show. Go to TII.hover.com, that's TII.hover.com, to save 10% on your domain name registrations and transfers and specialized customized email. Again, go to TII.hover.com. If you were waiting in line today and you were listening to this, I hope this helped you get through that wait just a little bit easier. As always, if you are waiting online somewhere, please give us a call. Tell us how many people were there, what Apple store you're at, or which Best Buy or wherever you were waiting and let us know what the line looked like, what time you got there, how many were there, and, and ultimately how many were there when the stores opened up. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record it on your iOS device and email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And of course, if you get the new iPad, even if you didn't wait online, call in, send in your reviews of the new iPad, let everyone know what your thoughts are. Was it worth the investment? Do you regret or are you happy spending that money? Do you have buyer's remorse or are you just tickled pink that you've got this now great new shiny new device and it's everything you had hoped it would be? And finally, for those of you that listen to the show and you don't have the TII app, shame on you. The best way to consume this show is with the TII app. You get a push notification when there's a new episode released. You have a link list for all the different items I talked about during the episode so you can follow along and just view them on your iOS device. So take a search in iTunes for TII. That's the Today in iOS app. And it's a $2.99. Again, gives you access to stream all the content, gives you some extras, and most importantly, gets you the push notification when a new episode goes live. And of course, when there's breaking news. And that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.